Hi. Hi, Hava. How are you? Oh, I just finished off the last of my oat milk. Oh, no. God forbid. How will you live without oat milk? I discovered an amazing beverage, which is oat milk with a little bit of maple syrup in it. Boom. Yeah. But now you don't have oat milk. That's true. <laughs> like, I shouldn't go to the grocery store because I might die or something. Or Yeah, the concern is more that other people might die. Yeah. Although 40% of coronavirus hospitalizations are people under 40, so we can still get it bad. That's true. We can get it real bad. I am um, really ping-ponging between feeling like absolute garbage and feeling fine. I'm not really even ping-ponging between depression and normalcy because like my brain and emotions are like totally turned off for the duration of this pandemic cool 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 <laughs> so super healthy yeah don't feel your emotions hava that's like real healthy sometimes that is healthy though sometimes that's what we need to do it's a healthy response to trauma michael and you know it that's true i know before this turned into me arguing with my therapist, who is Michael, JK. Michael's not really my therapist. I'm actually... I'm his therapist. therapist. That's how we met. <laughs> no. At a therapist mixer. None of that is true. <laughs> anyway, I'm not ping-ponging between feeling good and bad mentally. I'm just ping-ponging between feeling really sick and feeling kind of okay. My cup runneth over with medical conditions. <laughs> Your hair is still pink. It's very lovely. You're very cute. I think I might dye it blue tonight, though. Really? I think it's time to try a cool color rather than a warm color. Well, your body, your choice. True. Oh, my gosh. I am concerned that we're seeing the formation of homegrown national socialism, a.k.a. Nazism, in the American government. I do suspect that might be happening. Right now, the right wing, the Republicans, are outflanking the Democrats to the left. Economically. Economically speaking. That's what they're saying. Who knows what they'll actually mm -hmm. pull through. While the Democrats are scrambling with their kind of proven-to-not-be-successful means-tested policy proposals during an emergency that are bureaucratically mm -hmm. difficult to, to actually put into place. Right. And the reason I'm worried about it is because this is similar to the maneuvers that the Nazi party pulled. We have a long way to go from here until the true full-on Nazism. But one of the characteristics of the Nazi party, the National Socialist Party of Germany that created the Holocaust, is that they were economic populists. They created economic policies that were described as being responsive to the needs of the people. But for the Nazis, the people were only, the people in quotation marks were only those who constituted members of the nation, which is what allowed them to create the Holocaust. And you can see that the Republicans are the exact same way. For instance, Rand Paul on the floor of the House the other day referred to people without social security numbers as non-people. Cool. Yeah, so it's very worrisome that we have an ethno-nationalist party that's creating populist economic policies because in the past that's proven to be a highly effective strategy for fascists to take power. And like, meanwhile, where is Biden, the presumptive uh, nominee of the Democratic Party who's going to run against Trump? I haven't seen him appear in days. I've seen Warren. I've seen Bernie schedule like town hall meetings on the internet this is crazy i know yeah we're in crazy town 
The Democrats are definitely not an adequate response to the political maneuvers we're seeing right now. I think what we have to hope for and what we have to work for is for a genuine movement to occur that can fight against national socialism. Part of the reason that the Nazis were able to be successful in their political takeover is because they had a similar opposition party that was similarly out of touch to the way Democrats are now. There are a frightening number of similarities and Basically, we all just have to fucking rise up. We are in the Weimar Republic, including our love of burlesque. <laughs> the coronavirus pandemic might be the Republican Party's Reichstag fire. Yeah, yeah. That's the concern. And people say, oh, the Republicans aren't smart enough to maneuver in that way. But I think that's a dangerous underestimation. I don't think Donald Trump needs to be smart to be a fascist figurehead. I think that's already been proven by his whole presidency so far. Well, there you go. Welcome to Hi, How Are You, everyone? <laughs> Episode six. We're a couple minutes in. We already pulled out the Nazi card. We're having a great time. The piece of Talmud that I want to talk about today is actually weirdly related, I feel. So last episode, we talked about Shemitah, which is this sort of Torahitic idea that every seven years, there will be a release of debts within the community. This week, I want to talk about this other legislative enactment, which comes from the Talmud called Prose Bowl. I don't have the page number and I don't have the original text in front of me. So all of our listeners will just have to forgive that. Basically, Hillel, who was a super famous Talmudic rabbi of a very early generation of Talmudic rabbis, creates this legislative enactment called Prose Bowl, which is a document you can give to someone you're giving a loan to, and you both sign this contract that says, I will be able to collect from you during the seventh year. So basically, it's like this legal contract that allows you to circumvent the normal release of debts that would occur in the seventh year. And the reason that Hillel supposedly created this document is because people, when they knew the seventh year was coming, they would stop lending to each other. Theoretically, Hillel created this Takana, which is what we call a rabbinic legislative act, because it was part of his like economic stimulus program. To me, that feels relevant to the discussion that we're having right now, because it just feels like a really uninspiring, unprincipled response to the idea of debt forgiveness is to like weaken it because you're afraid it won't work. It's essentially the how will we pay for it of the rabbinic era. I'm sure there are people out there who can create a better interpretation of this that will maybe get me to like Prose Bowl. But in general, I'm pretty against it. Yeah, I think it's important to explore the parts of the Talmud where the rabbis really let us down. Because I really like to talk about all the cool, freaky, sexy, queer parts of the Talmud. But I think it's equally important to be like, yes, sometimes these people sucked. They are not flawless heroes. They are, in fact, messy sometimes, and they don't necessarily always have the best economic policy. People right now are talking about rent strike, and then I see a lot of landlords coming back. When they see people talking about rent strike, they say, if you rent strike, our mortgages will just not be paid, and then we're all going to lose our houses. I hear you, but that's not a reason not to rent strike. You should mortgage strike, in fact. Like, we should redo the whole system, which is maybe similar to, like, what is going on with Prose Bowl, Shemitah, it's pretty cool that we forgive debts every seven years. 
But like, what if we had just gone ahead and abolished money? Hillel is creating this takana, this legislative enactment to try and deal with an economic problem created by a system of debt. And instead of trying to play whack-a-mole with the symptoms, he, he should really be trying to address the root cause of the problem. It's hard to get rid of money. Hillel, <laughs> can you please create a society that does not have money? But the thing is that the Shemitah, the forgiveness of debt every seven years, that's already aspirational. The law codes that were created in the Torah some of them were genuinely practiced, but mostly the Torahitic law codes are just like, this is what we think society should look like. A lot of them, we don't have archaeological evidence that they were actually practiced. So it's like, yes, Hillel couldn't abolish money. He clearly did not have that power as an individual person, but he had the power to shape what our ideas of an ideal society would be. And the writers of the Torah, they had the power to shape and limit our imaginations. And so when they were only able to imagine as far as debt forgiveness, that also influenced everything that came after. So basically, they're not responsible for really abolishing money. They're just responsible for giving us something higher to aspire to than mere debt forgiveness. Okay, that's fair. But in summary, <laughs> fuck you, Mr. Hillel. <laughs> meta question, meta question for you, Hava. Yeah. You don't like certain parts of the Talmud. It's true. What's your response to someone from that group who's like, well, if you don't like parts of it, and you do like other parts of it, what's the point? Why not just read some Jane Austen or something? <laughs> yeah, because there's no parts of Jane Austen that I don't like. That was very sassy. I I'm know. just the messenger here, Hava. I'm just the messenger. Are you, though? Are you just a messenger that you can't just distance yourself from the conversation that way, Michael? You're a real participant in the world. What is your answer to the cynics out there? <laughs> I don't think that we should give up on intellectual material just because there's some parts of it that don't work for us. And I think the parts of it, the parts of the Talmud and the Torah that don't work for us can teach us as much as the things that do work for us. Yeah, there's this power in the, the pieces of Talmud and Torah that don't work for us in that they alert us to the fact that the world is not as it should be. And it's our sense that the world is not as it should be that allows us to imagine the world that we would like to see, the world to come. If there were no pieces of Torah that didn't gel with our moral intuition today, then I guess we would be in utopia already. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is like, we need intellectual material that we disagree with in order to allow us to discover our own values. Mm, we need intellectual disagreement to discover our own values. It's a journey of self-discovery. You think you're disagreeing with the Talmud, but in fact, you're just on a journey of self-discovery. We got some deep thoughts here with Jack Handy. Yeah, it's because I'm sick and exhausted, you know. I'm actually very deep, and it's just usually I have a filter over it, but I'm so tired that it's just pure LSD thoughts straight from my head. It's great. We appreciate it. The patrons love it. Great. Uh, guys, it's, <sighs> it's shitty right now, but stay safe. Keep sanitizing your stuff. Keep engaging in acts of mutual aid. Keep studying the Talmud. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you all stay safe and well and take care of each other. Shavuot up.